Hey, all right, y'all ready? Psalms 122. So we have been in a collection of talks. We just started actually Memorial Day weekend where we are walking through the Songs of Ascent. And for those that are uh, just kind of coming in on this series or maybe you're new to City Church, um, the way that we primarily teach is we take books of the Bible or a passage of Scripture and we walk through it line by line. And so occasionally we'll do some topical messages. But uh, that's what we're doing this entire summer series is we're walking through the Songs of Ascent. And the Songs of Ascent is a portion of uh, books or a portion of, of songs that were uh, kind of compiled into uh, the end of the book of Psalms. And so it starts at Psalms 120 and it goes all the way to Psalms 120 uh, or 134. So it's 14 or 15, 15 Psalms that we're going to end up walking through this entire uh, summer. But as we walk through them, these were songs that were sung for the Israelites as they would make their pilgrimage to Jerusalem to go worship at the temple. And, and so you had, uh, you had men, women, families, all of these people, as they were walking to the temple from Nazareth or the desert region or wherever it may be, uh, they would recite and sing these songs in caravans style as they would get closer to the temple. And then we'll dive into this more in about two or three weeks, uh, but there's one particular psalm that just really hits, hits me, and as they approach the Temple Mount, there's these massive steps. I mean, they're just, they're huge steps. And uh, anyone ever been to Israel? A few of us have been to Israel, so you know what I'm talking about. Anyone want to go to Israel? Yeah, May 2025, that's all I'm saying. Putting a little plug out there. In Jesus' name, you should come. Um, but there's these massive steps, and as they were walking up to the temple to worship, they would take a step, sing the song again, and what it did is it prepared their heart for worshiping Yahweh, uh, for the, the, the Lord, uh, in the Holy of Holies or in the temple. And so that is kind of where um, this series came from, just and came from the Bible. So it's like, figured it's in the Bible, we should probably teach on it, right? I thought I was funny, but you know. Um, hey guys, I'm, as, a, as a pastor, can I just be very vulnerable with y'all? No, this is now the start of my sermon. So I just want to be very vulnerable with you guys for just a minute. Um, I hear a lot of excuses about why people don't want to come to church. Lots of, ex lots of excuses. Um, here's, here's a few that I've heard, and I never thought that I would, you know, struggle with this, but I'm, I'm kind of like struggling with this internally a little bit. Um, but sports, lots of excuses. And don't raise your hand. I'm not trying to single anyone out. But it's like we have sports that are going on. Uh, my child is now really, Judah is really involved in sports, and, and I like, was at dinner last night and just having this conversation. What am I going to do whenever he has a game on Sunday morning at 11 o'clock, you know? Um, but, I, but, you know, sports being one of them. Uh, others is this, and maybe you can equate to this. I don't want to go to church because I'm tired or it's just been a long week. I just, you know, I was like, I'm tired, you know. Um, Here's one that maybe wouldn't pertain to you guys because you're all here. Uh, people think that church is not relevant anymore. And so therefore, there's like, there's just no point in me going to church. No point in me kind of, um, you know, doing that. And then the other, and, and I could also kind of get this as well, is housework. Housework. Like, I love housework. I really do. Like, um, I love mowing the grass. It's very therapeutic. Uh, it's a holy, sacred moment uh, in the sun. Uh, and, and so, but here's, here's my point, is we've definitely seen this post-pandemic 
about how there's such a large population of people who have detached themselves from the local corporate gathering on Sunday mornings. And what, what ends up happening is whenever we detach ourselves from gathering on Sunday corporately and worshiping the Lord, what happens is we will find that our lives will start to be misaligned with the Word of God and ultimately misaligned with God's intent for your spiritual growth. This is, this is why it's so incredibly important. And so uh, a few weeks ago, we talked about um, ecclesia and koinonia and how we need both the corporate gathering and the intimate gathering. Today is predominantly going to be talking about the corporate gathering because that's what this psalm addresses. It's a song of worship in the corporate gathering. Now, we have this saying around here uh, that we say almost every week in our team huddles, and anyone know what it is? There we go. Come on. Just say it like, come on. There we go. For the one. And that's kind of become, it isn't our mission. It's just kind of like our motto, you know, something catchy that we say. Uh, and what that means is when we gather here on Sundays, we are not gathering for ourselves. We are gathering for an audience of one. We are gathering to lift up our praise corporately to King Jesus. We are gathering to, to give him and make all of this about him. But at the same time, we're also gathering for the one who is far from God. Because we see Jesus left the 99 to go after the one. And so whenever we come here and you hear that phrase, for the one, and we say it, you know, and Paloma's really good at it. She's like, let's go. And then Ken's, Ken's good at it, too. He's like, let's go. And, you know, th everyone throws their arms in. Three, two, one, for the one. And we all cheer. And then everyone gets quiet again because, you know, sometimes we like to be really quiet. But, but, like, we're doing this to set our heart in a place that we are here. We serve. We give. We attend church. We sing songs. We gather. We take communion, not for us, but for Jesus. And it's important that we remind ourselves, like I said last week or a few weeks ago, and it, what Jen said so delicately, we need to get back to seeking the face of God instead of the hand of God. We need to get back to going after who God is instead of just what we can get from God. And so listen, if someone duped you into church today and was like, if you come to church with me today, you're just going to get blessed. Like I'm here to tell you, you may not get blessed, but you can get God. You can get God. God is not a genie that if we worship long enough, he's going to just like, poof, here's your three wishes. He is not um, tarot cards or I can't think of anything else. But you guys are not Harry Potter, you know, waving the wand and just things are going to happen. God is God and we have an opportunity to corporately worship a God who is seated above everything, who created the stars and the galaxies. And because of that, we should get a little excited. And so someone, I, I told you guys this, I haven't even opened up, well, my Bible's open. I haven't even gotten to the Bible. We're just getting all fired up today. I wasn't expecting, I thought this was going to be more teachy today, but we'll, we'll see. But someone, someone said, um, and I, I told you guys this maybe a few months ago, but someone, I was sitting down with two other pastors locally, and they were like, hey, what do people say about our church? What do, the question was, when, when you hear uh, City Church, when you hear Engage Albany, whenever you hear Christ Church, those are the three churches, what comes to mind? And, and so I turned to Jonathan and I go, well, when you hear about City Church, what comes to mind? And he said, loud. And I was like, I can take that. I can take that. Like, yeah, we're a little loud. Let's get a little loud for Jesus, all right? Because... Um, because he's awesome. All right, y'all ready? Psalms 122. Now listen, I'm going to take a whole lot of time for the first four verses, and then the, the, the last bit of it's going to go really quick. Uh, but Psalms 122, verse 1. 
This is David writing this. And he said, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. I was glad. And and, and which I just want to kind of propose to you, are you excited to go to church? Are you excited to go to the house of the Lord? Are you excited to get into worship? Are you excited to, like, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go and it's not going to make it about me. I'm, I'm going to be excited. And here's something that all of us need to remind ourselves, and this is my first point, is that everyone in this world worships something. We all worship something. And here's the thing, as I was kind of diving into it, just kind of clicked, uh, worship is a voluntary action. Like, Kudos to everyone here and everyone watching online who's not able to be here. You made a choice to be here today. No one forced you. Now, some of your kids, you know, I don't want to go to church today. Shut up. You're going to church. You know, that's a little different. I'm not talking about that. But everyone has an option or a choice to come and worship God. Everyone does. You have a choice to be here in the corporate setting. And thank you for being here in this corporate setting. But worship is a voluntary action. And in worship at the same time, we can, we can really kind of dive into it. We, we may not, uh, maybe we worship God, right? But we start talking to other people and other people worship money. Or other people end up worshiping uh, community. Or other people end up worshiping their job. Or other people end up worshiping women or other other people in their lives. And here's kind of a litmus test that I want to propose to you all today to kind of check what is it that I am worshiping? Where's my heart with this? And that is this, what am I doing with my free time? Think about that. What am I doing? Now, listen, I want to make this very clear because this is not like, look, any gamers in the house? I know that there's a few gamers. Yeah, get those hands up. Go ahead. He's like, do I raise my hand? Do I not? Like, Look, there is nothing wrong with Call of Duty or Fortnite, all right? There is nothing wrong with it. But if that becomes the primary focus for your existence, that's where, where something's wrong. And you got to check your heart. And the same thing can go for every other area in our life. Is God our primary focus? Because all of us are worshiping something. And just a few things that, that we see uh, is that, like in scripture, we see that we worship not just both corporately, but also in our daily lives. And so um, for people that like to work, all right, worship can be brought into our workplace. As we are working, we can do it unto the Lord. Now, the people around you, they may not know that, but you can literally take the sacred and the secular and blend them together and allow your work for your company uh, to be, uh, or your hospital or your school that you're in, wherever it may be, to be your worship unto the Lord in your individual life. And I think sometimes we try to separate, like, this is my work life, this is my church life, this is my worship life, this is my kids' life. And I just need to say, man, um, I'm not going to say who said this, but he, he said this very eloquently, everything is spiritual. Everything is spiritual and everything is worship. Just depends on how we position our heart with it. Uh, another way, and you guys know I've been really big on this, is worshiping through rest. Like just waking up and not doing anything. It doesn't that sound amazing? Like, it's just, I don't know what that's like, you know? It's like, I'm, I'm stepped back from some stuff, and now my life is like, got kids this, kids that, kids that, got to cook crawfish, got to do this, got to, you know, all this stuff that's going on. Um, but sometimes it's good to just wake up on a Saturday morning and go, I'm going to watch Bluey with the kids, and I'm not going to do a dang thing today. And it's going to be good, right? 
That is an, an act of worship. Uh, another way of worshiping is through giving, our generosity. We don't give so that we can get. We give because he's already bestowed and given to us. We, we give as an act of worship. And man, many of you guys are so incredibly generous. And I'm, I'm telling you, if you're not generous with your, your pocketbook, you are missing out on what God can do in and through you. And so those that are generous, thank you for your, your generosity. And then last but not least is we worship at church as a um, corporate body of Christ coming together. And it's a choice. It's a choice that we have every Sunday. Are we going to worship? Are we not? Let me just be very real with you. David was excited. I was excited when they said, let's go to the house of the Lord. We have a choice how we walk into this building. We have a choice what we're coming here for. We have a choice whether or not we're going to come in with an expectation of faith towards God or whether we're going to come in grouchy because we didn't sleep well last night. The choice is yours. And what you get out of this is simply going to be based upon your perception and how strong and hard you worship God. Now, let me make this very clear. Not that you can get something from God, but you can get God. And there's, there is a difference. So he continues on, verses 2 through 4, and this is where we're going to camp for a little bit. He says, Our feet have been standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem, built as a city that is bound firmly together, to which the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, as the decree for Israel to give thanks to the name of the Lord. So the, the other thing we see right here is that worship gives us structure. Now, again, we're talking corporate worship. It gives us structure. And David right here, he's writing about Jerusalem, which is the holy city for the Israelites. And he's writing about um, how everything in the city is built together. And if you've ever been over there, it's one of the most complex uh, architectural cities I've ever seen in my life because you've got buildings on top of buildings on top of buildings, all right? Um, and then they start digging some more to build another building, and they found another building underneath that one. It's really, really fascinating, and it's really interesting. But what, what David is doing right here is he's setting a framework for the people to be reminded. As you come into Jerusalem, you need to be reminded, City Church, as we come in here today, you need to be reminded, number one, is that God created you. Like, God created you. Number two is that God redeemed you through the blood of Jesus Christ. Like, we need to be reminded of that. And then the third one is that God will provide for you. And so he's painting this image, this imagery here of Jerusalem. Um, and what he's saying is that the, the people of God are like the city of Jerusalem that's uh, knitted together, every joint by joint coming together. And so if you go to Jerusalem, you will see every stone has been placed with like immense calculation. Every, there isn't just a house in the middle of the city that's just there. I just decided to build a house. That wasn't how they thought back then because they, they knew that it was a holy city. And so essentially they kind of played Tetris in Jerusalem with building this city to be able to create this beautiful structure, this beautiful city that was well-guarded, that was protected, that was a place of worship, that was a refuge for those. And, and what he's saying right here is that when the people of God come into Jerusalem, we are like the city being knitted together with each other for corporate worship. Uh, this is literally what the translation says for verse 
verse 3. The Hebrew translation says, Jerusalem built as a city that is bound firmly together. It literally should be translated to uh, Jerusalem at unity with itself. At unity with itself. So for us, when we worship, it allows our hearts to be aligned with our brother and our sister's hearts who's sitting next to us. It allows uh, God to breathe his spirit out in a way that when the people of God are united, that nothing can break it. You've seen a unified people before. We see this in politics all the time. When, when the people are unified, things actually change. How much more would happen when the people of God are unified in an act of worship? Saying, God, I'm, I'm, I'm here for nothing else but you. God, I'm here for nothing, but I just want to give you glory. I just want to give you adoration. I just want to give you praise. This is what we saw in Acts chapter 2. There was a spirit of unity that fell on the church, and they were of one mind and one accord, and the Holy Spirit breathed out, and the church was born. I also think about Jonah, right? Um, Jonah in the well, and how Jonah went to Nineveh. And he essentially went to Nineveh to curse Nineveh, but he gave them a warning, basically said, God's going to destroy you. And you saw that for 40 days, pagans set their heart right, and they fasted, and they prayed towards a God that they didn't even know. And God gave them a revival in that city of 120,000 people being saved because they were in unity with one another. How much more should we be in unity with each other? How much more should we be in unity with our brothers and our sisters? And, and so then he, he says this in, in verse 4. He says, to which the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord. To which the tribes go up. So I want you to think about this. As Jerusalem was like the hub of Israel. Uh, and everyone would literally live, you know, a day, two day, three days journey away from Jerusalem, sometimes further. And there was 12 different tribes that made up the tribes of Israel. 12 disciples, 12 tribes. Uh, I think 12 is a pretty significant number, all right? And so these 12 tribes, they would go out, and in each tribe, they would have, maybe they worship a little different. Um, maybe they talked differently. They had a different dialect. Some of them even spoke different uh, languages altogether. But they would go out, and they would be a representation of a portion of the body of Christ, but three to five times a year, they would come back together, and when they came back together, it was like God playing Tetris, building this foundation called the people of God. The same thing is true, guys, in our culture today. We scatter, we come in here, we worship, and then what do we do? We go out and we scatter. We scatter. We scatter in our own cliques. We scatter in our own families. We scatter with our, our friends. We, we kind of do life. But then on Sunday, we come back together, right, as the people of God to worship, thus making us unified again. And, and so just because, um, you know, someone's on this side of Albany and the other person's on that side of Albany, that doesn't mean that they're not in unity with one another. They can be unified, and we've said this before, but it's because of Jesus that we are family. Because of Jesus, we are family. And so, like, um, I can be at unity with my brothers and sisters over there because of Jesus. Like, let's focus on the majors. Let's focus on who it is that's given us this opportunity. And, and this is kind of another way to think about this. And, and you know, I, I think for so long, churches put denomination versus denomination. 
All right, I'm going to go off on a soapbox here, not in my notes. But, I mean, we have, we have Baptists right now who are arguing over silly things. Now, they don't think it's silly, but they're arguing. Just go on Twitter if you don't know what I'm talking about. They're arguing over silly things. And then, meanwhile, you've got Assemblies of God over here who've taken one thing out of the Bible, and they've elevated it, and they're arguing about that, and that's, that's their thing over here. And then you got the Charismatics, and the Charismatics are over there, and they're just like, spirit. You know, like, whoa, you know, um, like hippie style, nothing against people that are like that at, at all, but like, yeah, and, and then you got the fundamentalists over here, they're like KJV only, King James Version only, and everyone's burning in hell. Everyone, right? And, you know, um, and you've got all these different sects of Christianity, and what's happened is we've divided and we've made these little camps right here, and we've taken Jesus and his innocence, his beauty and his presence out of it, and we've started arguing over stupid things. And what that does is that keeps us from being in unity with the body of Christ. And that is why we at City Church are going to be a church that promotes other gospel-proclaiming, gospel-centered communities in the city of Albany and beyond. This is why I love John Hendricks over at Christ Church. This is why I love, um, oh my gosh, I just forgot his name, Sean Nolan over at Engage Albany. These guys, they view things different from me theologically, but because of Jesus, we are family. And so you better believe I'm going to go support and help them and encourage them and champion what God is doing in and through them. It's an opportunity. And man, if we really want to see revival in Albany and beyond, like it's going to require more than just city church. It's going to require more than, like we can't, we can't hold the whole city of Albany. We, we can't. There's absolutely no way. But you know what? If every church stepped up, there's something that that happens in that. The, the next thing that we see is that worship uh, nurtures our relationship with God. Notice how David says right here, he says, the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, and a decree was for Israel. A decree. A decree is like, this is what's going to happen. This is what's being said. This was the decree. To give thanks to the name of the Lord. To give thanks. Like, I, I think some of us, we would just be a lot happier if we would learn to be thankful with what it was that God has given us. But we would be a lot more content in our circumstances that suck all around us if we would learn to give thanks for what Jesus has done. This is why the writer is encouraging them to, to remind yourself that, hey, church, God created you. God redeemed you, and God's going to provide for you. And so because of that right there, let's step up to the plate, and let's just give him praise. Now, for some of us, we, we may not know, like, well, I, I don't know what to thank God for. Man, you got air in your lungs? Yeah, yeah, thank God for air in my lungs. You wake up today? Yeah, I did, but I had a headache. Well, you still woke up today. God, I thank you that I woke up today. God, I thank you that I've got air in my lungs. God, I thank you for my wife, who is absolutely amazing and awesome and keeps me in check. God, I thank you for my kids. I thank you for my house. And if you don't have a house, you got an apartment. God, I thank you for my apartment. Or I thank you for my car. If you don't have a car and you're walking around or you got a bike, God, I thank you for my bike. There's something that happens whenever our heart shifts to a place of gratitude with God where he ends up invading that area. And this is what we do on Sundays. We get to come in here and give thanks. Give thanks with a grateful heart. Give thanks. 
to the Holy One. Y'all remember that song, Give Thanks, because he's given Jesus Christ. I don't know why I do that, but I just say things, and I'm like, oh, I remember that song. Give thanks with a grateful heart. St. Augustine says this. He says, a Christian should be an alleluia from head to toe. We sing this song, I raise my hallelujah. But man, we should be praising God in everything. And how much more should we be praising God when we corporately come here together as the people of God, with our brothers and sisters, with people who are walking through the trenches with us and saying, God, you are good. You are holy. You are set apart. I praise you and I thank you for everything you've done in my life. How much more? This is the opportunity that we have. Our response to everything in our life should be that of worship, giving God praise. Like, I'll be the first to tell you it's not easy. And this is why we see that worship will center our life. Worship will center our life. He says this in verse 5. He says, Their thrones for judgment were set, the thrones of the house of David. Now, I thought that was interesting, and so obviously I had to go in and do some digging deep. And this is what I love about the Psalms is as you read it, you're just like, I don't quite understand that. You kind of have to look at the historical context. And, but what he was talking about is the thrones of judgment that were out there were set, but the throne of God's judgment was essentially greater the thrones of the house of David, which is where Jesus came from. The lineage of David is where Jesus came from. And literally what this, what this Hebrew word judgment means right here, it means the decisive word by which God straightened things out and puts them right. I want you, I want you to think about that. Like, so people are coming at you with judgment. Man, let God's judgment go before you. And I think sometimes we look at judgment, we think like, oh, I'm being judged or God's going to judge me. No, no, no. God's judgment is to make things right in your life. And this is how it was with the entire world, right? The entire world was broken and messed up and there was sin and uh, corruption that was just spreading all throughout of Rome and all throughout the Babylonian Empire and all throughout the Israelites and all throughout Africa and all of these areas. And God said, no, 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 no. There has to be something that is done to set things right. And it was at that moment that Jesus entered into this world as a little baby. He entered to be God's judgment on humanity. He entered into humanity to take what was wrong and broken and to fix it and to make it right and then to literally offer this for anyone who would believe. This is the gift of salvation. And this is why our worship to Jesus should center our lives because it reminds us that God's design is to literally bring all things back to him. Ephesians 1, chapter 10 says God is reconciling all things back to himself, which means you too, which means your busted up broken family, which means the situation around you. God is reconciling that back to himself to bring judgment on it and to make it right. The writer continues, and he says this, Pray 
for the peace of Jerusalem. May they be secure who love you. Peace be within your walls and security within your towers. For my brothers and companions' sake, I will say, peace be within you. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good. So um, if you grew up more liturgical, then you probably have had those moments where it's called pass the peace. You remember those, some of you guys? You turn around and you say, peace be with you. And then the person says, and also with you. That's where we're getting this from. See, worship provides peace and security in our life. It provides peace and security. Can we throw this quote up from Eugene Peterson? He says, Shalom gathers all aspects of wholeness that result from God's will being completed in us. And the word of God, that, when complete, releases streams of living water in us and pulsates with eternal life. See, what the writer is talking about right here is for us to pray for peace and security. But the prayer, that word prayer right there that he says, that word prayer that he uses it, is not in a corporate setting. It's almost as if when the people of God leave the corporate setting and they go out, they need to pray as in asking for their daily bread. So this is an individual. So we've gone from the beginning of this psalm it being corporate to now it shifts to being individual as you go about your week. And he says, I want you to pray for peace and I want you to pray for security. The word peace that he talks about right there is the word shalom. And there is no word or description in the human language that could even comprehend the shalom or that peace that it's talking about. Because it's talking about a oneness with God, but it's also talking about how everything in creation is in unity and in sync with God. And you just walk around, and man, it doesn't matter what's happening or what's going on around you. You're just at peace. Have you ever experienced that? She's like, man, how's your week been? Man, it's, it's been one hell of a week. Like, well, what's, what's been going on? Well, I mean, the kids have been fighting. The basement flooded. Like, my taxes did not come out right. Um, you know, I got a flat tire. Had to, had to take the bus. And it just seems like one circumstance. Oh, oh, and I got, I got like a demotion at work. And so this has not been a good week, but God is good. There's a peace that comes inside of you. There's a peace. That, that word security uh, that he's talking about, secure, isn't maybe necessarily what we're talking about, but he, he, he says this right there. He says, peace be within your walls and security within your towers. Again, he's using Jerusalem as an imagery right there, the towers that would guard over Jerusalem. But that word right there is uh, salva, S-A-L-V-A, and I probably butchered that, uh, which means a quietness, ease, and prosperity in our lives. Prosperity. Now, I'm not talking about bling bling prosperity, all right? I'm talking about like enjoying the fullness of God, enjoying the beauty that God has for you, enjoying the very things that God has placed in front of you, both corporately as a church, but then also individually. And this is something, guys, that I'm still learning and I'm still trying to walk this out and like enjoy the moment that is right in front of me and allow the Holy Spirit to like bring his prosperity, his provision upon me. This is why we started out this year 
And, and I said, man, the scripture that God gave me for this year was John 10.10. 10, that the enemy comes to seek, kill, and destroy. But I've come to give life and life abundantly. When we worship, it is an opportunity for us to enter into that abundant life. And I think so many of us are just fighting against the enemy. We're fighting and fighting and fighting and fighting. And Jesus is basically saying, hey, I redeemed you. That's not your fight. All I want you to do is I want you to step into my abundant life. Well, Michael, I don't know how to do that. Well, let me tell you how to do it. You worship. You give thanks. You show up at church and you praise him. You sing glory to his name. You go about and you're hanging out with the kids and you realize that's a moment of worship. You're at work and you're nailing some two-by-fours together and that's a moment of worship. That's a moment for the Holy Spirit to invade you and for the peace of God, that shalom of God to be resting upon you and the prosperity and the abundance of God to be beholded upon you. And I want to make this clear. I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about joy that runs deep. I'm talking about a provision that's inside. I'm talking about you having an awakening in your heart that's saying, God, I've experienced you, I've tasted you, and I've got to have more. I've got to have more. See, here's the thing about corporate worship. Corporate worship is not supposed to satisfy your relationship with God. It's only supposed to whet your appetite to where you leave here and you start pursuing Jesus and you start worshiping Jesus and you start running after Jesus and all that you do. It's an opportunity. Will you stand to your feet with me this morning? This is an opportunity for us right now to worship. Take a few moments. And so we intentionally planned that I was going to finish the message, and I finished it on time today. So that we can give thanks to the Lord. So that we can respond with an attitude and a posture of saying, God, you are good, and I'm going to worship you. And, and man, I'll, I'll say this. We're going to have the prayer team come up here. And if you need prayer, God has been doing something really beautiful lately in prayer up here at the altars. If maybe you're just in this place, you're just like, Michael, I'm, I'm not there yet. And you need someone to partner with you and just to pray you through, man. We want to pray with you. We want to believe that God will give you that breakthrough. And I just feel led to say this, but like this is such a cliche pastor church thing to, to say about worship. But I think that this morning we kept praying for breakthrough and breakthrough and breakthrough. And literally as I'm closing, I'm just reminded of Paul and Silas being in prison in, the, uh, in, in Acts chapter uh, 16. And, and them being in prison, and they were literally in prison. Their heads and hands were in, in, in stalks, and they couldn't move. And, and Paul turns to Silas and was like, hey, man, it's time to worship. It's time to worship. Like, we can't move. But, like, our situation sucks around us, so I'm just going to worship. And I'm just going to say, God, you're good. God, you're holy. God, you're, you're thank you. I'm going to trade my sorrows for joy. I'm going to worship you because you alone are good. Despite what is around me, despite the prison that I may feel like I'm in, despite the calamity that's going on in this world, God, you are good and you alone are good. And as they worship, the Spirit of God moved and shook that prison cell. And not only did they experience their freedom, but because of their worship, the people around them experienced their freedom. And a church in Philippians was born out of that moment. So don't tell me that God can't do something in worship. There is something holy that happens. And so God, we love you. 
And Father, we worship you and you alone. You are holy and you are good. And God, I just ask that right now for the next seven to ten minutes, whatever you need to do, God, that you would just do it, Father, that people that need that breakthrough would come up and get prayer, that we would push through the storms of life and we would declare the goodness of God, that you are good and you are God and you are holy and you are beautiful. And we have an opportunity to be marked by your presence today, God. And so, Father, inhabit the praises of your people. Inhabit the praises of your people in this moment, right here, right now. Church, let's be loud in our worship. Let's be sincere, and let's give Jesus thanks for him being our Redeemer. Amen? Amen. Amen.